declares, this is what we want and this is what you want. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell counters. It's a proposal that the president will support. As I've stated consistently over the past month, that fact will earn it consideration in the Senate. The other is a House bill to reopen the government through February 8th and talk about border funding, but both proposals are likely to fail. The Supreme Court says the Trump administration can go ahead with its plan to restrict military service to transgender men and women, while the court challenges continue. You're listening to USA Radio News. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher mortgage payments. At Quicken Loans, we've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates so you can buy a home with certainty. It's called Rate Shield, and here's how it works. With Rate Shield, you can lock your interest rate while you shop for a new home. So if rates go up, you don't have to worry. And here's the best part. If you get the lower rate. With Rate Shield, we really have you covered. Here are more reasons why you'll want to work with America's largest mortgage lender. For nine years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. And for the fifth year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in the nation for mortgage servicing. Rate Shield, another way we can save you money on your mortgage. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Based on Rocket Mortgage data in comparison to public data records, Rachel approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Three young men and a high school student are charged with plotting to attack a rural upstate New York Muslim enclave. Greece, New York Police Chief Patrick Phelan. We executed several search warrants. Through these search warrants, we recovered 23 firearms and three improvised explosive devices. Phelan says those explosives are homemade bombs that were packed with black powder, BBs, and nails. Back to work! Back to work! L.A. teachers have a tentative contract deal with the nation's second-largest school system. The agreement includes a 6% raise for teachers, a slight reduction in some class sizes, and more support staff, including nurses and librarians. Mayor Eric Garcetti. Our future is literally in their hands, guided by the teachers and education professionals who are with them every single day. And nothing is more fundamental to our city than that. This is USA Radio News. The biggest party in Las Vegas is brewing at the one and only German restaurant and beer hall, Hofbräuhaus Las Vegas. Beer, food, fun, and live entertainment every day of the week. Follow the leader and have your next night out at Hofbräuhaus Las Vegas, where it's Oktoberfest every day. For more information or to make your reservation, call 702-853-BEER or visit HofbräuhausLasVegas.com. We take pride in knowing how to party. Come to our house and experience it for yourself. Prost! Metro Diner is the kind of place you're proud to take out of towners. It's the kind of place where last night is recalled over pancakes, where the portions are big, but the egos are small. Metro Diner cooks comfort food with flair. Three locations to serve you, 2050 East Serene Avenue at Eastern, 249 North Stephanie at the 215 Freeway, and 7305 South Rainbow Boulevard at Warm Springs. Visit MetroDiner.com. Hey, football fans, don't miss out on the final KSHP touchdown showdown of the season. 
The NFL prohibits us from using the name of the game, but will be played on February 3rd and rhymes with Drooper Droll. There will be super prizes each quarter, but the contest bowl is limited to 100 squares. So tune into the radio shopping show for details on how to earn a square and then grab a spot on the couch with a super big bowl of chips on February 3rd and maybe you'll hit pay dirt in the KSHP Touchdown Showdown. On May 15, 1946, a young Tommy Kolax introduced Los Angeles to a hamburger with gusto. Over 70 years later, Tommy's hamburgers are world famous for their chili and chili burgers. Tommy's also features chili cheese dogs, breakfast burritos, chili tamales, thick milkshakes, and chili cheese fries. Dine in or carry out at Tommy's three Las Vegas locations, Craig in the 95, Boulder Highway just north of Harmon, and St. Rose just west of Eastern. Find the shack and you'll be back to Tommy's Hamburgers. The thoughts and opinions expressed in the following program are those of the program's participants and do not necessarily represent those of station staff, management, and advertisers. Give me the green light. Cause I'm ready to go. Get ready to kick it up a notch. If you live and breathe sports, then this is the place to get your hot takes. Welcome to Vegas Sports Hub. Vegas Sports Hub. With your host, Ian Rakelli, on KSHP AM 1400. Or stream the show live at KSHP.com. Now, turn up the volume and get ready for Vegas Sports Hub with Ian Rakelli. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Vegas Sports Hub here on KSHP 1400 AM. I have a very, very entertaining show for you tonight. We got Ethan, we got Stevie here in the studio as well to help me out. And uh, we're going to start out with football. We're going to start with the one thing that everyone is talking about in the sports world after what happened this past weekend. Now, I have a guest for tonight. He's out there in the 716 in Buffalo, New York. From Rise Up Sports, I got Andre Robinson. How you doing today? What's good? What's good, Ian Kelly? Shout out to Las Vegas. Love it. Thank you for having us on. It's going pretty good, man. Going pretty good. Now, when it comes to what happened this past weekend, we had what happened in the Rams and the Saints game. We had what happened in the Patriots and the Chiefs game. A lot of controversy happened in both. Now, I want to ask you, when it comes to those controversies, which one do you think affected that game the most, and why? Um, obviously, it's going, to be, it's going to be the Saints and Rams game. That pass interference, I think, was more pivotal in that game than the rough-in-the-passer uh, penalty was in the, in the Chiefs-Patriots uh, game. I mean that Saints versus Rams. I, I mean, I, I had that pass interference. Yes, don't get me wrong, was very crucial as well. But people forget about that Saints final drive. Is that the Rams went down the field and still got that field goal to begin with, and they only got that field goal because they knew they had to only get a field goal. Let's just say that if the Saints did get a touchdown, let's just think for a second. The Rams would have had to go down the field and score. They wouldn't have had wasted all that clock and all that time to ju- just get a field goal. Agree or disagree? Um, I agree, but here's my sentiment on that. Let's not forget that the Rams, that the uh, Saints got away with a face mask penalty on Jared Goff, which uh, would have gave the Rams a first and goal at the one. That is very true. Let's not forget that. And then when you look at the Chiefs and the Patriots game, everyone's talking about this um, laser pointer 
that happened with uh, Brady, the fact that someone was, was putting a laser pointer in front of Brady like in his eyes and stuff like that. Honestly, I don't think that affected the game at all. I heard that there was it was part of the the LED board. I th- I I heard somebody say that it was just part of the screen that went down. That could that be a correct. possibility. Yeah. That is correct. I heard the same sentiment. Is that Steve, by the way? Uh, that is uh, Ethan, who just talked, and then Stevie's over here running the board. Okay, so yes, Ethan, I heard the same exact thing. For those who are trying to uh, <laughs> talk about this laser pointer, listen, I think they're investigating the wrong uh, circumstance. They need to be investigating the striped uh, folks who are very incompetent on doing their job. AKA better known as the silly rep. Exactly, exactly. And then let's also not forget later in that game that uh, that offside penalty by D Ford. Now, who are very competent in doing their job, AKA better known as the silly rep. Oh, okay, I heard the feedback there. I mean, but when you look at the Chiefs and the uh, Patriots game, I mean D Ford had that offside penalty. A lot of people are saying that that may have not been a offside penalty. They're saying the angle was the main factor. Do you believe in that as well? Um, this is what I'm going to say. You can't put yourself in that situation and D4 knows better. Uh, I don't understand why all year D4 has been lining up on side all year and all of a sudden in the biggest pivotal moment um, that determines Super Bowl 53, uh, you're all side. I don't understand that for the life of me. I don't it's understand ball-headed. either. It's ball-headed, and you should know better. Yeah, he's been in the league for, what, four or five years by now? That's something that he should know about. But my main point about these championship games, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, is that both games went into overtime. And both of these teams could have done something to prevent them losing. The Saints throwing that pick, and then the Chiefs basically letting the Patriots go all the way down the field running the ball. It just to me like it seems like these teams that lost are just making excuses when it comes to when it comes to the game. It's not the team; it's their fans. Well, I mean the fans, yeah. Well, the fa- yeah the fan base. The right. fans are trying to do anything they can. the The Saints fans are want a petition to replay the NFC Championship game. That's ridiculous. <laughs> the game is over. You lost fair and square. Suck it up and move on. Um. If I may interject, I'm just going to say this. They didn't lose fair and square. But what I will say is I do hear a lot of crying and whining. I'll repeat the same sentiment that I've been telling everybody. If you can't run the ball, you're going home. It's been the sentiment or you're staying home. Look at what the, uh, the Saints did running the ball. Nothing. Look what the Chiefs did running the ball. Nothing. We lost to me. Yeah. All right, I mean, uh, we're going to get Andre back here on the uh, show. But until then, I just want to ask Ethan real quick. Yes. I mean, what was your thoughts on the whole running game? Because he does bring up a very good point. If that if you do not have a running game, which a lot of teams that have lost have, then they have uh, had problems in the past. Oh, no, I, I completely agree. The running game was definitely not there in both games. But what... What wasn't there was also the defense was also stopping them. So it wasn't giving CJ... The Rams were not capable of running the ball with CJ and... uh, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, because the Saints were right there to stop them. All right. 
All right, so we do. I do believe we have gotten Andre back on here on the show. Oh, I, you got me. All right, now. Um, did everybody hear my sentiment? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, we I, yeah. We heard your sentiment on uh, the fact that running that if you do not have a running game, you uh, you will basically the reason why. They, uh, yeah, yeah. I heard what you said about the running game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look at the playoffs. I mean, come on. Look at every team that's been eliminated in the playoffs. In every game, there's been a lack thereof of the running game. I do Period. agree. And the Saints did not show up in the playoffs at all. They, they they almost got beat by the Eagles. Let's let's just keep that in mind. They almost did. They up, you are right there. Eagles were up fourteen nothing. The Saints had to come back. I mean, come on. Now, I mean, we can make we can make all the excuses. It wasn't fair, but at the same token, there's things that either team could have done that would have put them in a better position. You're the Chiefs. You can't have zero points at the half. That is very true. The first half, Chiefs did basically nothing on the on the field. Nothing. Andy Reid caught Andy Reid syndrome again. It's called ARS, uh, ARS, arse. And if you say it, if you say it fast enough, it almost sounds like the cuss words that you can't say on on radio. Right, exactly. I mean, Andy Reid basically did what he did uh, his entire career. He was stuffing down Philly cheese steaks with Philadelphia, and then he was eating those uh, ribs out there in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Too, that, many, too many ribs. Exactly. Now, now I'm going to move on to Super Bowl because that is going to be next weekend. I want to ask you real quick, what is your prediction? Super Bowl 53, Rams, Patriots, what do you got? Um, well, when I look at the game, I look at I look at the Patriots. Uh, they played uh, two pretty good games, uh, one offensively, one defensively. Um, so I will give them props for that. I mean, they did play a better defensive game against the Chiefs than they did the first. Well, actually, they played really, really, really good against uh, the Chargers too. So. I mean, you got Tom Brady, who you can never really bet against, even though I'm never going to root for the Patriots or choose the Patriots. So my sentiment is the Rams, and I'm going to say Tom Gurley goes off for 100. C.J. Anderson, who's beaten the Patriots a couple of times, will be a factor in this game. You got uh, Brendan Cooks. He's going to look to he's going to look to uh, make some plays as well. Jared Goff is going to have to pull up his pants and, and be the big boy that he's been for the last couple of weeks. He's going to have to do it one more time to bring the championship uh, to L.A. And I got the Rams because I think the defense will show up, uh, show up too. Akeem Tlaib knows how to play against Tom Brady, and Marcus Peters uh, will probably have a better game uh, in this one. I'm going to go to my co-host, Ethan. Who do you got? I have the Rams winning for the exact same reason. As Andre says, I I also see since C.J. Anderson played for the Broncos, he knows the run game that he needs to have against New England because that's what beat that's how the Broncos beat the Patriots back in the AFC Championship back in 2016. Yeah, exactly. And Akib Talib bo- played for both New England, so he knows Bill Belichick pretty well. But he also played for Denver when they won the Super Bowl, so he knows the playbook that hopefully he knows the playbook that. Bill Belichick will use. 
All right, and I'm going to go to Stevie, my board op here. Who do uh, who do you have winning between New England and L.A.? Yeah, for all the reasons everyone's given, I'm going to go to uh, with L.A., especially if I get plus three, and it looks like it's headed that way. And you look at New England's Super Bowl record; the, they haven't played that. They haven't, and even in the wins, they haven't blown anybody out. No, they have not. Now, here's what I'm going to do, and this is probably going to be upsetting to Andre, Ethan, and Stevie. But you know what? I'm going to go with the New England Patriots to win Super Bowl 53 to beat the Los Angeles Rams. Now, look, I know the Rams are a good team. I'm not disputing that at all. When I look at the Patriots and what they've done this year, you look at their running game. Sony Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead. When I look at their running game, because like you said, Andre, the people who do not have a running game have been out in this playoffs. New England running game has stepped up in this playoff series. In fact, they scored majority of the touchdowns in the Chargers and the Chiefs game. Now, when you look at Tom Brady as well, he's 41 years old, I understand that. But he's still Tom Brady. You can't deny that Tom Brady is not a guy who can get the job done. So, for that reason, I am going with the New England Patriots to beat the Los Angeles Rams in Super Bowl 53. Now, Andre... Well, first off, Andre Robinson from Rise Up Sports here on Vegas Sports Hub, KSHP, 1400 AM. Now, I'm going to ask you some off-season questions because after Super Bowl, obviously, that's what people are going to be talking about. Now, I'm going to go through a list of teams, and I'm going to ask you if you think they will be changing quarterbacks this off-season. Okay? Okay. All right. First off, I'm going to start the Miami Dolphins with them having Ryan Tannehill right now. Well, I'm going to say this right off the top, and I want to thank uh, everybody that's in Las Vegas for allowing me this opportunity. Ian, you know we like to show you mad love in the 716, so I'm not even going to lie to you. I have Mookie Hawkins on the line as well. Mook, what's good? Mookie Hawkins, hey. Yeah. Glad, glad, glad to have you on the show. Yeah, what's good? Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you loud and clear. Oh, good, good, good. How you doing, man? What's been going on, I- and it's going pretty good. Yeah. Quite a while. yeah, I haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm no, not. I think you should get that question. All right. So, I'm going to ask you that question. When it comes to the Miami Dolphins, do you think they're going to change quarterbacks with Ryan Tannehill? Uh, yeah. The Tannehill experiment is over. Once, whenever there's a new coaching change, He's not going. He's going to go get his guy. So that's the first thing that 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 always comes with the new head coach is the quarterback. He's going to handpick his guy. You got to get your franchise guy. Kenny Hill is not this new coach franchise guy. So I mean, you know, they got to figure out, you know, what's cap friendly in reference to releasing him or try to find a trade suitor. But I mean, you know. That's just the nature of the business. You know, since uh, Kyler Murray has entered his uh, name into the draft pool, you know, there's been those type of teams with his name attached to it. So, yeah, Tanny Hill is over. It's over for that experience. All right. My uh, next team I have is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Ben Vosberger, he's getting up there in age. I mean, do you see the Steelers changing quarterbacks? No. Hmm. Ben will be the quarterback until he retires. That's just a tradition in Pittsburgh. He's not going to go anywhere. That's next question. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question is the Jacksonville Jaguars and what they have with Blake Bortles this season. 
Yeah, that experiment is done too. Um, you know, and whenever you're benched in midseason, and you know they'd rather go with another guy on top of the backup than you, then yeah, the writing's pretty much on the wall with that. Like, I mean, I would have did it last year, but he led them, you know, pretty much to one game away from the Super Bowl. So I guess he earned the check. I don't know. Uh, I think his contract came with some contingencies, though, so it's easy to move him. Um, everybody is talking about Nick Foles possibly headed to Jacksonville. Uh, it's possible that they can get just a savvy veteran season for oh. All right. Now that we lost him again, we're going <laughs> to get him right back so we can ask him more questions. Moogie Hawkins and Andre Robinson from Rise Up Sports 716. Now I'm going to do the Broncos real quick because I have a Broncos fan, obviously, as my co-host. Hello. Do you see the Broncos changing quarterbacks this offseason? I sure hope so. I really hope they trade out Case Keenum. I I feel like the Broncos just signed him because of what he did last, not this season, but the previous season when he was unbelievable, and that's what they looked at, and then they wanted to sign him. But he isn't playing very well, so hopefully they they trade him. Yeah, I agree with you on the Broncos. All right, all right, uh, Andre and uh, Moogie Hawkins, you still there? Yep, I'm here. All right, now I already went with the Broncos with uh, my co-host, who is a Broncos fan. He gave me some insight there. So my next team I have is the team that's going to be in Las Vegas in a couple of years, and that is the Oakland Raiders. Do you see him moving on? Do you see him moving on from Derek Carr? Um, <laughs> no. All right. Why do you it say that? The, right. It, it is. It is the Raiders, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say no because look who's underneath. You got AJ McCarron, X Bill. You got EJ Manuel, X Bill. You got Nathan Peterman, X Bill. Would you put any of them over uh, Derek Carr? No, no, I wouldn't. No, not at all. All right. Well, Derek Carr is under contract, so you know he's getting damn near twenty-five million in crack. So I don't think he's going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mean, think he's going anywhere. Uh, my reason I asked is because you know people in Las Vegas are talking about it, and the fact that the Raiders could use one of their draft picks to draft his replacement, like a Kyler Murray or a Dwayne Haskins. That's why people have been bringing that up here in Las Vegas. True, but why do that when you go get him a nice little toy? You know what I mean? Nice, good, solid receiver and and, and get him a a, a running back, so to speak. Get him some weapons. You know, fix that line. I mean, the quarterback ain't the issue in Oakland. You got to protect the quarterback and you got to get the pieces around him. You can't sign a guy for $125 million and then you want to get rid of him. You got to... You Clint House more than enough, all right? You got rid of Khalil Matt. You got rid of, uh, 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 you know, Armani Cooper. Like, you know, so you got to replace that. So my thing is, yeah, you probably need another edge rusher and a receiver, if anything. I mean, he's under contract, so. That is I mean, very true. He is under contract, but he does not like the Raiders organization right now, especially Mr. John Gruden. They've had problems in the past. But I do understand oh, your point there. Oh, absolutely. Um I want to say shout out to the Oakland Raiders uh, football um, group on social media. Shout out to them because a lot of them are watching right now too and listening in. Um, I, I appreciate I'm going that. To, 
I'm going to say that Mookie Hawkins is right, and I also want to say that uh, Marshawn Lynch, I've watched uh, highlights of him this past season, and he's not that bad. So what you really need to do is go get you some offensive wide receiver speed weapons um, <clears throat> at the ones and twos. Uh, I mean, giving up Amari Cooper was probably stupid as I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, but they should, probably should have kept Amari Cooper. So now you need a, a weapon at the one and at the two. Jordy Nelson yeah. is done. <laughs> I do agree with you there. Who was the number two? Who was the number two in Oakland after they got rid of Cooper? Like, I mean, hey, we don't – see, that's the thing. Nobody knows. Um now, so I do see your point on wide receiver, and there's a couple of very good wide receiver prospects that are coming into the draft next year, like um, the guy from University of Buffalo. So, oh, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, Mr. Johnson, absolutely. Now, um, I'm going to ask you just two more teams, and then I'm going to move on to the next topic, but the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins, what are they going to do with their quarterback situations? Well, we, they're going to get quarterback. They're getting quarterbacks. Like, first of all, Washington, you better go draft your guy to save your job. You better draft your guy to save your job. <laughs> okay, Washington. Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's inevitable that, you know, the kid from – Ohio State will be going to New York unless Jacksonville want to say, you know what, he's too good to pass up. We know he only played one year, but, you know, they always draft on potential and upside at that point. But he's definitely going to New York. He's not getting past New York. Alfred is not getting past New York. I mean, I see that right there. But with the Redskins as well, do you see them drafting a quarterback based on what happened with the injury with uh, Alex Smith? Yeah. I see those drafted. If the kid from Duke is there, they will take him. Daniel Jones. Yeah, I I definitely see that right there. Right. Now, I think, yeah, I think you have to at that point. Now, speak. All right. Now, now speaking of the NFL draft, and based on the fact that you guys are in Buffalo, New York, I want to ask you, when you're looking at the draft, what needs do the Buffalo Bills need to address with their top 10 pick they got right now? <laughs> Mookie, I think we might have the same sentiment on this one, but um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go guess offensive line, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you got to go offensive line. You got to. I mean, you know, that, I mean, we've been dealing with the worst line in the NFL for two, three years now. And, we, and the bad part about it, they know it. They know it. They never addressed it. You know, you get what you pay for. You want to be cheap online, then, you know, that's the type of performance you're going to get. So you got to protect your franchise guy, even though it's a lot of nice, nice little picks. And we lost him again. All right. Well, <laughs> see, here's the thing, actually, I was going to tell them, is that the defensive tackle – is also a position I think the Bills could go after as well. I mean, you got Kyle Williams, who just retired. He's no longer going to be there. And here's also the fact that they got rid of Marcel Darius as well a couple of years ago. So when I look at the defensive tackle position, I think the Buffalo Bills could go after Deion Sack. In fact, Ed Oliver from University of Houston. At one point, he was thinking that maybe he was going to be the number one overall pick about a, couple, about a year ago. 
So if the Buffalo Bills could get a guy like that, that's something that they could do as well. But offensive tackle, offensive line, that is something that is justified there in Buffalo. Now, one final thing I'm going to talk about before we get into hockey. I'm going to ask Ethan and Stevie this. Now, we saw a lot of new head coaches that got uh, signed last week. I mean, you saw uh, Fujiano for the Bears. He went to the Denver Broncos. My question is, what was the best sign? What was the best signing when it came to all of the coaches? Even I honestly don't know. I think all of we'll have to see what all the coaches do next season. It'll give preseason's the best time to see what the head coaches do, right? Right, right. So, with that being said, I feel like we would have to wait till preseason to see what all these head coaches do. But I will say, I do like the Broncos signing. The Bears' old offensive coordinator. I think he will be a very good head coach, better than Vance Joseph. I think all Bronco fans can agree. Yeah, I I totally agree with you there. I mean, the Bears' defensive coordinator is definitely going to be a very good play, a definitely good head coach for there. But Stevie, what about you? When you saw all the coaches that went there, the surprise to me, Ian, is the guy that didn't get signed, Mike McCarthy. I I don't know why he's still. You know, I I, I think he was the best guy available. And and I don't know if he didn't. I, I think he talked to the Giants. Well, I I don't know that for sure. And beyond that, I didn't hear anything. I if I had been any of these guys looking for a head coach, McCarthy would have been the first guy I called. Yeah, I mean New York Jets is somebody I really thought Mike McCarthy was going to go to. When you look at that position, they added, and they hired Adam Gase, who by the way I have no idea why he still has a head coaching job based on what he did in Miami. But yeah, this was it for the NFL. Uh, when we come back from our break, we are going to get into the NHL and we're going to talk about the Brad Hunt trade and much more in the hockey world. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and the latest lines on every game. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards on every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino, Fiesta Wildfire, or the El Cortez. Details at the Sportsbooks. Terrible Herbst has been serving the Las Vegas Valley for nearly 50 years. It is a name you can trust, and who better to trust your next car wash to than Terrible Herbst? Offering car wash service from the quick and easy $8 exterior pony express wash to the full service inside and out gold mine wash. Terrible's has a wash for any vehicle. Plus, Terrible Herbst has unlimited car wash plans where you can wash your car as often as you like all month long for just one low price. The next time you need to wash your vehicle, stop by Terrible Herbst, the best bad guy in the West. Nab taps it across far side, and Carlson, who has two goals here today. One for Colin Miller, which was a power play goal. Knights coming towards center. Here come Carlson ahead to Schmidt. Two on one. Carlson on the right. He waits. He shoots. He He scores! Patrick Carlson. Four nothing Vegas. With five minutes to go in the second. Three goals. But a natural hat trick for William Carlson. The Vegas Golden Knights. Our town, our team. We are Vegas. 
On May 15, 1946, a young Tommy Kolax introduced Los Angeles to a hamburger with gusto. Over 70 years later, Tommy's hamburgers are world famous for their chili and chili burgers. Tommy's also features chili cheese dogs, breakfast burritos, chili tamales, thick milkshakes, and chili cheese fries. Dine in or carry out at Tommy's three Las Vegas locations, Craig in the 95, Boulder Highway just north of Harmon, and St. Rose just west of Eastern. Find the shack and you'll be back at Tommy's Hamburgers. Since 1937, Krispy Kreme Donuts has been delighting its customers with their hot, fresh glazed goodness. Delicious donuts made fresh to order all day long. Enjoy a variety of incredible creations like their chocolate iced raspberry filled, strawberry iced with sprinkles, or the classic original glazed. Krispy Kreme is a great way to fundraise for your organization. Stop in and try one of their signature iced coffees or blended drinks. They go great with donuts. Be sure to check them out online at KrispyKreme.com. That's KrispyKreme.com. Taste the joy that is Krispy Kreme. At Walker, we make buying furniture easy. Let me tell you about Larry's Price, named after me. Larry's Price is honest, so you never have to worry about getting the lowest price, no matter when you shop. Larry's Price is unbeatable. It beats our competitors' so-called sale price in-store or online seven days a week. We've already done the tough negotiations for you with suppliers I've known for decades. You can trust Larry's Price only at Walker Furniture. Yes, it is night time here on Vegas Sports Hub, KSHP 1400 AM. I am Ian or Kelly. We got Ethan and Stevie here in the studio. Now, since we're talking about night time, I want to talk about the trade that happened yesterday. The Vegas Golden Knights traded Brad Hunt and a sixth-round draft pick to the Minnesota Wild for a fifth-round pick. Now, I'm gonna start with Stevie real quick. I actually saw your reaction on Twitter, <laughs> and I just wanted to let you. I just wanted to get more of uh, your thoughts on it. Well. Obviously, the Knights organization and I have different opinions on Brad Hunt. Um, they've, they've, first off, they have a power play that, that it's not working, hasn't worked all year. Uh, that, that, that's not true. It, it has worked at times, but for, for the most part, it's been scuffling along. Brad Hunt is really good on the power play. Uh, that's, I guess, reason one why I would have him in there. He, he creates things on that second power play unit that they're not getting with, with the other people that they have in there. All right. Now, the reason that I have heard from the Knights organization as to why Brad Hunt doesn't play is that he's not good enough on the defensive end. He's an offensive defenseman. That is true and fine. He moves the puck very well. He, he pushes it out. That's something, by the way, that, that the Knights need. But I haven't seen him be a defensive liability. He, he's got shortcomings. He makes mistakes occasionally. But then he puts his head down, and he gets himself back in the play, and he does his best to um, amend his, for, his, for his mistakes. I've got, I would be playing the guy. I'm, I'm not a fan of Merrill. I'm not a fan of Holden. They, they just haven't been good enough to me. So I would be playing Brad Hunt. Obviously, again, the organization, I feel differently about him. They didn't play him while he was here, and now he's gone. Yeah, his fifth uh, team in his uh, career here in the NHL. Now, when you look at the defensemen, now they only have seven defensemen on the roster. Do you think it's a possibility they take one of their roster spots and bring up uh, Jake Bischoff or Brandstrom or uh, you know, even Zach Whitecloud? 
I don't think so. I, th- I think that McPhee has made it pretty clear that he would rather overcook guys in the minors than bring guys up too early. So I don't see that happening. If they could find a guy on a one- or two-year contract out there before the trade deadline, they may make a move and, and bring a guy in. That I could see happening. I, I think the guy that's most ready would be Branstrom. And I think that Branstrom probably could help him right now, but I don't think McPhee will do that. I agree with you there. Now, Ethan. Yes. With you being a Golden Knights fan, even though you're more of a Blackhawks <laughs> guy. Yes. I will say something about the Blackhawks. Uh-oh. When it comes to the defensemen. Yes. I mean, obviously, I don't think it's the same situation as the Golden Knights, but it's kind of similar. The fact they only have, like, you know, what, two defensemen, two and a half defensemen, if you want to be want to be uh, polite? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, like, with the Blackhawks, what do you think they need to do defensive-wise? Couldn't tell you. I honestly have no idea. They're last in the league, so I think they just need to have a rebuild of the whole entire team. A rebuild of the entire team. But the thing about the defensemen with the Chicago Blackhawks is, think about it. You had Nick Letty. You had Yamerson. You had you had some pretty good defensemen. Yeah, on all the roster. good defensemen we trade to New York and Arizona. Right, the Arizona Blackhawks. Exactly, my point. Pretty much. It's just, I don't know. Like, thing about the Blackhawks is with the thing with them defensively being one of the worst. And then, like you said, with the Golden Knights, when it comes to the power play, their power play has not been that great this season. No, right. the Wild were able to kill off a five on three very easily yesterday. <laughs> that is yeah. very true. Yeah, that's, that's, that is, it's not just, that's just not good. Um, they, they refuse to get anyone in front of the net. Here's, here's guys that I would use Tuck and Reeves. And I would stick them right in front of the goalie, and I would fire shots on goal. And you're either going to get a redirect, or you're going to pick up a rebound and shove it home. And they refuse to do it. They won't get anyone in the low paint, in the in, in the blue paint. They instead pass the pass the puck around the top, and and that, and nothing happens. I, I, I right. just don't I just right. don't understand. Right. You have to get people in the paint. That's something that you have to do in the NHL. Now, with that being said, I'm going to get to our trivia question for today. Ooh, fun. Now, I love these. My trivia question is, which Winnipeg Jets Hall of Famer is Alex Ovechkin tied with 22 career hat tricks? I mean, Alex Ovechkin been getting, you know, a lot of goals this season, as we can probably all can tell. But which Hall of Famer is tied with Alex Ovechkin right now? 22 career hat tricks. Now, well, how many does Shane Doan have? Because I know he was a Jet, wasn't he? Uh, he, he, yeah. he was a Jet. Yeah he, yeah. yeah, he was a Jet at one point. I mean, that's, actually very good. that's actually very good. Shane Doan was a very good guess as well. Yeah. But well, how many career hat-tricks does he have, do we know? I do not know about Shane Doan. No, I do not. But, hey, but a player that I think would be very interesting is uh, Dale Howarchuk. Okay. And is Dale Howarchuk the answer? I'm not going to give out the answer. I'm going to have oh. people on Twitter <laughs> well. uh, try to give out the answer. So, so he's interesting, but apparently not the answer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For some reason, I think it's a Swinish, Swedish or Finnish name, but I can't, I can't remember it. The, the, the one guy that comes to mind to me is Teemu Solani, but I don't think he played for the Jets. I think he played for the Nordiques. I mean, anyway. Timo I mean, Solani is definitely – He played for great. so many teams. Can we even keep track? I mean, right. he was I mean, a he duck was, for a lot a, of his career. He was a duck for a lot of his yeah, career. But people also duck. forget he was a shark in an avalanche. Right. I had forgotten that. <laughs> oh, yeah, a lot of people have forgotten about that. Now, I'm going to move on to our next topic for the NHL, is that when it comes to technology, I mean, technology has affected, you know, basically the entire world at this point, but how important has technology impacted the NHL when you look at 2019? 
It's impacted it very much because now you have cameras in the back of the net that can see basically everything. The Winter Classic had those really cool frozen pucks. I forget what they were used for, but they were really cool, and I really wanted to buy one. But like the cam- the camera issue, now we can see when pucks go into the back of the net. We can see when there's offsides because they have cameras in the on the blue line now, on the blue line on the boards. So technology has really affected the the whole NHL and the entire world. I also liked in the All-Star game the, the helmet cams on on the referees. I thought, yeah. I thought that yeah. was a really interesting view. And then now I'm going to go to you guys because I'm not a millennial. <laughs> uh, what what were they doing in the Sharks-Knights game? What, what was that about? I, they, they had – they were – they had some kind of chip or something on the players, and you could then follow not so much the, the players, as, but players more as dots on and, and follow their movement during the game. I didn't even know that they did that. I'll, okay, I'll show you after the show. Yeah, you'll okay. show me after the show, but to me, I think the training aspect of hockey, technology has affected that as well because like now you can track a lot of the things you do on ice, Yeah, which is something that is very important in today's game. I think that might be part of what, what they were doing with this. I mean, th- this thing that they did can be used in several uh, different aspects. Um, one is gaining stats. But if if you're watching, it'd be like watching a football game from, from the top of the stadium. You're looking straight down on the field. You can see how all, each individual player is moving. So you could also use that in practice. If you're seeing in a game that a guy is not in the right spot during the game, hey, hey buddy, go here. <laughs> kind of a thing. Right, exactly my point there. I mean, I, I, it's just insane that if you watch footage from like 10 or 15 years ago and you compare it to now, it's so different, the NHL. In fact, it's just insane. I do have, I have watched some throwback highlights. And it's just the camera angles, the presentation, and even the way the game is played overall has been very different. The game has gotten really faster. Oh, absolutely. I mean, hey, I'm going to ask a question, and this is probably a stupid question, but Pavel Bure. How would he play in today's game, based on how fast he was back then? I think he could hold up. I mean, he, he would still be a good player. I don't think he would be quite as good as he was at that time. Yeah, I mean, I, I watch McDavid, and he, that guy is just stupid fast. I, I've never seen anybody like that kid. So yeah. that's how fast the game is now compared to Burry. Yeah. See, I don't I don't think Burry would be able to play a full 82-game season. I think may, at most he could probably play 45 well, let us remember the last two or three years of Pavel Bure's career was basically injury-riddled. The last two or three years of Pavel Bure's career is, in New is York. Is Pavel Bure bigger than Brandstrom? He and, he and Eric Brandstrom are about the same size, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're... All right, so you have... I, I understand that you that, that the physicality of the game, there are guys a lot bigger, but if you're a smaller guy, you can figure out how to avoid those hits. You I, can, but you're not going to avoid all of them. You're not going to avoid all of them. But I think that you can keep yourself injury-free by being smart, by knowing who's around you and what they're doing. They're, look, look, uh, Statsny is not really a big guy. No, he but, isn't. But, but he doesn't get hit that often. He, he, he knows uh, – I, I love this guy. He knows where everybody on his team is, and he knows where everybody on the opposition is at all times. He's unbelievable. Well, yeah, I mean, you're all right about Statsny. Yet again, when he does get hit, the probability of him getting injured, though, is high. No, that no, that's true. That's true. But I, I'm just saying that a, a smaller guy in today's game can exist just by knowing where the other players are and and, and avoiding most of the big hits. Not going to avoid them all. Yeah, you can't avoid them all. That's not something that can happen. But also, one final thing for the NHL before we uh, move on to uh, baseball for our final segment of the night. I want to talk about players when they go and face their former teams because this happened recently. 
when you look at players, they face their former team. Does that kind of motivate them a lot more? Or does they kind of like play differently when they're facing their former team? Absolutely. <laughs> what, what, why did Fuller break his stick? In fact, he's broken his stick twice now against the Penguins, hasn't he? Yeah, All right. second time. All right, so that's Flurry. How how much did Nate Schmidt celebrate scoring that goal against the Capitals? Oh, he was celebrating like a five-year-old kid. Out of his mind. He probably celebrated like he won the Stanley Cup. All right, and that's the, that's just the nights that I see. That, yeah, p- players get up facing their former teams, absolutely. Right, I remember a couple of years ago, Matt Dean, when he went back, he was with, uh, I think he was with Toronto at the time. He went back and faced Vancouver, and he scored a goal against them. I swore, I think he celebrated more on that goal than he probably did in his other 10-year career in Vancouver. So he was celebrating like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. No, well, again, the Knights last year, whenever they played a team, someone on the Knights had just been released from that team. And, and, and we saw it time and again last year from the Knights. Guys had good games against their former team. I, I completely agree. I, I, I honestly feel like most players that play against their former team have a vengeance that they want. Their chip on their shoulder. Pretty much, yeah. It, but I also feel like they're... I, I honestly don't have any words, like, a way to express it. It's just they want to win. Right, it's a mentality. They, well, it, 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 that Exactly. It's their mentality of they want to win. They want to prove that their team should not have gotten rid of them. Correct. They, they, they want to prove to those people that they made a mistake. Yeah. You guys let go of the wrong guy. Well, especially with William Carlson last season. The previous season, he scored only six goals in Columbus. Columbus trades him to Vegas. He scores, what was it, 40, 43. 43. 43, mm-hmm. yeah. So he, he scores 43, and he probably looked at Columbus and went, y'all traded the wrong person. In fact, oh. anyway, actually, did you notice last year when they played Columbus, he was playing like he was a man possessed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he had what two goals in that game? Yeah, he had two goals against Columbus in that game. Well, you you look at Columbus and you also look at Minnesota, and don't, those teams are kicking themselves over the people that they gave up to Vegas. Well, oh, yeah. Eric Hall is injured right now. He so, is injured, right? But, but Alex Minnesota's Tuck. probably not. But Alex well, Tuck, well, you, got, you have Tuck. Okay, yep. so you have Tuck, and, and, and that's Hall, the and two Hall guys that you got rid of. Yeah, but Halla didn't get to play Minnesota. No, no, I, I'm just I'm just saying uh, on the grand scheme of things. Do you think right now Minnesota would rather have the players back and, and, and give up Doom? But that's who they were trying to protect. I I, I, I got to believe they would rather Vegas has Dumba right now. I know he's injured, and that's not the point. But that they that Vegas has Dumba right now, and they would still have Hall and Tuck. I don't I don't know if they would want to have Tuck still just because of how, how he played in Minnesota. He wasn't getting enough time on ice. Well, right, but based on his production value, you definitely would want Tuck back right now. He's leading the, he's leading the Golden Knights in points. That's also the problem with Carlson, though, Ethan, in that Columbus, I don't think, used him correctly to get the most out of him. He was playing, right. thir- he was playing minimal third-line minutes. Yeah, let's all, hey, you could also ask Columbus the same thing. Would you protect Josh Anderson and William Carlson now? I think the answer would be very obvious. Yeah. Very similar to Anaheim as well. I think they protected Josh Manson over uh, Shea Theodore, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. it was Manson or Montour or, or right. maybe even uh, the guy that went to New Jersey, uh, Vatanen. Yeah, uh, Vatanen. Yeah, but I think they would like Shea Theodore back right now based on how well he's yeah. playing as well. Now, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about baseball and more importantly, the inductees to the 2019 Pro Baseball Hall of Fame. Back 
gravity, we're proud to be Las Vegas' best-rated sports park. We bring the thrill of extreme aerial action off the screen and into reality with liberating physical experiences that are enjoyed by all ages, whether it's our stunt fall, ninja warrior course, foam pits, launch pads, dunk basketball, or many other amazing attractions, visit 7350 Prairie Falcon. That's 7350 Prairie Falcon. Or online at www.gravity.com. Get ready for one of the most unique experiences in Las Vegas. Haunted City Ghost Tours brings you their Haunt in the Mob Tour Fridays at 7 p.m. in fabulous and haunted downtown Las Vegas. Experience this one-of-a-kind guided walking tour to haunted casinos, hotels, and more. Learn about the mob's influence in Las Vegas and hear spooky and terrifying stories along this fascinating and exciting tour. For ticket information, visit them online at hauntedcityghosttours.com. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, even in the afterlife. Hi, I'm Dirk, and I just took a trip to the Hawaiian Islands, ending up in Maui. It was there where I tried my first authentic Hawaiian shave ice. My reaction was heard around the island, Meowie Wowie. I was hooked, and now I have brought this sweet treat to the Ninth Island. It's called Meowie Wowie Hawaiian Shave Ice Cafe. We are Vegas-born, Hawaiian-inspired. Come in for lunch or dinner and stay for the shaved ice. You can find me shaving at 4555 South Fort Apache Road, or find us on Facebook under Meowie Wowie Hawaiian Shave Ice Cafe. You want more? More action? More fun? More madness? We got you! The 2019 Air Force Reserve Mountain West Men's and Women's Basketball Championships return to Las Vegas, March 10th through the 16th. Want more hoops? How about 20 games in just seven days? For tickets, call 702-739-FAN or visit UNLVTickets.com. The 2019 Air Force Reserve Mountain West Basketball Championships. Get more. Be there. Come visit a race and sports book at Arizona Charlie's Boulder or Decatur and pick your favorite teams during our new free $62,000 Pick'em Right Football Contest featuring a $2,000 weekly prize and the grand prize at the end of the season, a brand new Ford F-150 pickup truck. Must be a Players Club member to participate and members get three free entries each week. So come down and join the club only at... The Sports Hub presents This Day in Sports History. In 2018, New Orleans Pelicans' DeMarcus Cousins scored 44 points, 24 rebounds, and 10 assists in a double overtime win over the Chicago Bulls. He was the first player since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to obtain this feat. 2006 AFC Championship game, the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Denver Broncos 34-17 to move on to the Super Bowl. In 1998, Ricky Henderson rejoined the Oakland Athletics for the fourth time in his career. In 1989, after winning his third Super Bowl as head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, Bill Walsh announced his retirement. In 1988, Mike Tyson TKO'd Larry Holmes in Atlantic City to retain his undisputed heavyweight boxing title. In 1973, George Foreman TKO'd Joe Frazier to win the WBC and WBA heavyweight boxing titles in Jamaica. In 1968, the NBA announced expansion franchises awarded to the Milwaukee Bucks and Phoenix Suns. This has been Sports Hub's This Day in Sports History. Take the time. Right to check outside the game. 
And welcome back to Vegas Sports Hub. I am your host, Ian or Kelly. We got Ethan, we got Stevie here. Now, I wanted to talk about baseball and talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame, everything that happened today. So I decided that, you know what, I'm going to call up my grandpa here and I'm going to have him come on the show because he knows a lot about baseball, probably more than even I do. So uh, I just wanted to say, uh, Grandpa, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Ian. Absolutely. Now, when you when we look at the Baseball Hall of Fame, two amazing things happened today. First off, Mariano Rivera was the first player ever to be the unanimous vo- voted unanimous into the Baseball Hall of Fame. That is amazing. He broke Ken Griffey Jr.'s record, which was ninety nine point six percent. I mean, how 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 much does that say for how great Mariano Rivera was as a New York Yankee? It says that he was probably the best at that position and in that role, but doesn't it mean, but it doesn't mean that he was the best just because he got in on the entire vote. It just means that the voters liked him the best at that time. Over time, the people voting have changed, and you've got a different makeup of people voting. And some of the old-time voters would have never put anybody in on the first ballot. But today, putting somebody in on the first ballot doesn't carry the stigma that it carried 20, 30 years ago. Because those old-time writers, they, 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 they wanted their say, and they wanted to have it over 10 years. That's why you've got a 10-year window on this. They, they didn't want people just to go in. So I think it's more a sign of the times, Ian, than it is <clears throat> that the accomplishments were greater than other people. Absolutely. But when you look at closers, I mean, you had Mariano Rivera, and then you had Trevor Hoffman for all those years. I think that Mariano Rivera, and with you being a Yankees fan, I don't. I mean, you probably will agree with me here. But when you look at Mariano Rivera, you heard Inner Sandman. When you were a batter, you knew that you were going to have a tough time at the plate when you heard that song come out. There's, there's no doubt that he was. A, he's a great pitcher and the best, at, one of the best at that role. But over the time, you've had good, really good relievers from other places. So yes, being a Yankees fan, I'm proud he did it. But. Don't put too much into that he got in there the first time on the first vote, the first time ever, because the, the makeup of changed as the voters in. But, yes, he's really good, and I'm proud as a Yankees fan to have him there. Absolutely. Well, speaking of 10 years, because you brought that up earlier, Edgar Martinez got in on his 10th and final year of eligibility. Now, he played his entire career in Seattle, and I watched his announcement video of, of him getting the phone call and his eyes were basically, like, he looked like he was about to ball his eyes out. Because that's how important this was to him. I mean, that just shows how important being in a Hall of Fame, doesn't matter if it's baseball, basketball, football, or even hockey, that is how important it is to these guys. You know, and a person should love to see that, not because the man became emotional, but because he accomplished something. He did not give up. He persevered. He stayed with the same team. He showed devotion and he showed uh, that he could pitch for that many years. So he should be applauded, not for the emotion, but for his tenacity and his staying power, and he hung in there. Nowadays, people don't want to hang in. They don't want to be with the same team. They become emotional. They, they pout. A lot of professional athletes, I hate to say it today, pout. But these guys like him didn't, so he should be applauded for that. Uh, you say pout, but I call them me guys, and I think Stevie would agree with me there. There's a lot of me guys in this uh, world today when it comes to the pro sports. Far too many me guys in pro sports. I absolutely agree. 
Absolutely. But, I mean, let's also get on the, uh, well, lighter side here, because Roy Holiday passed away in a plane crash last year, so unfortunately he didn't get to see himself get into the Hall of Fame, but Roy Holiday, two-time and a Cy Young winner, gets in the Hall of Fame. Well, Ian, we don't want to get into it, but he may have seen himself get in. But that's a side subject. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, that's just the thing about Roy Holiday. He was a great pitcher out there in Toronto and Philly. I mean, he had that no-hitter in a playoff game, which is very hard to do in the modern day of baseball. Yes, it is. Now, Ian, what about the other inductee? I think it surprised you. Oh, it surprised me because I didn't even have him on my ballot that I created last weekend. Mike Mussina from the Baltimore Orioles and New York Yankees. Him getting in. See, he was at 63% last year, and I was on on the fence thinking, I didn't think he was going to get the 75%, but sure enough, he did. He got in. Now, my only question is, will he be an Oriole or will he be a Yankee? Because he played an equal amount of time for both teams. Well, which one did he play with last, Ian? He played with the New York Yankees up until 2008. I think i got to give the nod to the Yankees. Being a Yankees fan, I, I would hope we have another Yankee in the Hall of Fame. That's where I would interject, and I would say the team that drafted him is the team that he would be representing. Uh, you're probably right, Ethan. I mean, there's no doubt that being a Yankees fan, I always root for the Yankees, so I would root that he would wear the Yankee uniform there, but you're, you're possibly right. I'd like to see him wearing a Stanford cap. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to go way back there, huh, Yeah, you got to go way back, way back. Now, now, there were three players who barely just missed the cut that I want to talk about real quick. Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens. They got more votes than they did last year, but it was still not enough to get them in. Now, with those guys now being in their eighth year next year, do you see these guys getting in with all the steroid and all the -the off-the-field issues these three had? Ian, I didn't see their vote tallies. What percentage range were they in? Uh, Bonds and Clemens were around the 60 percentile, and Schilling was in the low 60s. Boy, that's pretty tough, but uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Mussina, was, wasn't he in the low 60s last year? He was 63% last year, yes, that's correct. So these guys are not out of range. It just depends on who, who's voting again and, and what their uh, pre- preference is for these people. I mean, you, you've never seen uh, Roger Clements be improved to of using steroids. Everybody assumes it. Everybody would like to count him guilty, but you're not guilty unless you're guilty, and he's never been proven guilty. So why Roger Clements can't make it is because people have vendetta against him, not because he wasn't a quality pitcher, and there's never been a steroid use. And uh, this thing of being guilty before you're actually guilty just drives me crazy. And so, of all the three, I think he deserves it. And I'm not saying the other two don't, but I think Roger Clemens seriously deserves a fair shake. Well, I agree if you want a fair shake and also being guilty before, you know, basically saying you're guilty without actually being proven that you're guilty. Yeah, that drives me crazy as well. And probably Stevie would agree with me as well on that. I'll just, on, on Bonds and Clemens, I would say that their stats, even before they used steroids were good enough to get them in the Hall of Fame. If you take take the steroid years out of their career and just look at where they were at that time, I think those stats are good enough to get them in the Hall. I agree. Yes, they are, Stevie. You've hit a very important key there. How good are they? They're they're as good or better than a lot of those people who are currently on the list or even maybe some that got in there this year. 
All right. Well, hey, uh, thanks to my uh, grandpa here to being my baseball analyst as of right now uh, for being on Vegas Sports Hub. Hey, I appreciate you being on. Hey, and all three of you, thanks for having me on, and I appreciate it, Ian, and good show, everybody. Bye. Hey, thank you very much. Now, this was Vegas Sports Hub here on KSHP 1400 AM. I'm your host, Ian Kelly. We have Ethan, and we had Stevie help me out. Now, follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Vegas Sports Hub. And go check out our website, www.vegassportshub.com. And we will see you next time here on Vegas Sports Hub. Bye-bye. It's Brian Blessing, weekdays, noon to 2, on 1400 KSHP North Las Vegas and KSHP.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Capitol Hill lawmakers will make an effort to reopen the federal government on Thursday. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has set two bills for a vote. The first will be on President Trump's proposal that includes $5.7 billion for his border wall.